Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Today we're continuing our thought on the Lord of the Harvest. I call today Botanical Breakthrough. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10 from the message and Mark chapter 4 from the New King James. Going to weave these together. Mark chapter 10 says in verse 40, we are intimately linked in this harvest work. Intimately linked. Anyone who accepts what you do, Jesus said, accepts me, the one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. This is a large work I've called you to, but don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who's thirsty, for instance. The smallest act of giving or receiving, sowing or reaping, makes you a true apprentice. You won't lose out on a thing. Then in Mark chapter 4, Jesus shares the parable of the soils, the parable of the sower. Most of you know that the farmer comes and sows seed among the different types of soil. And he compares, Jesus shares kingdom truth here, kingdom principles. And he shows the seed and he says a man casts some on the wayside, some on stony ground, some on thorny ground, and some on good soil. And he shows how productive those different soils have been. But he says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 11, to the disciples. He said to them, to you, to the disciples, not to the crowd, to the disciples, to you, it has been given to know, the word know there means understand, the mystery of the kingdom of God. I want you to, I'm going to stop right there just for a second. This is to disciples. Anyone who's leaning in to the discipline of God and following Jesus with all their heart This is for you. It's been given to you. The ability, the understanding, the privilege of knowing and getting and understanding the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, Jesus said, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive. And hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said, in other words, this goes along with the passage in John that said that no one can grab these things without the Holy Spirit drawing them. So Jesus is saying, look, you can't get these by textbook knowledge or these mysteries are even out of apologetics. These mysteries are spiritual mysteries and they've been spiritually and are being spiritually revealed to followers of Jesus. Then he says this, This is the most important part of this. He said to them, do you not understand this parable, the parable of the sower, the seeds and the soils? How then will you understand all the parables? Verse 14, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. My friends, the key to understanding all the parables, or I would call them comparables, the comparables, all the comparisons 
of Jesus. The kingdom of God is like this. We sang a few minutes ago about the lilies of the field. Why are you worried about your clothes? I clothe the lilies of the field. You're more important than they are. The birds of the air, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns, but you do. How could you be afraid? So we've got to get these things in context. And the Bible says that the key to understanding all the parables Jesus shares, numerous as they are, is this first one, that the sower sows the word. Let's pray one more time. Father God, would you open the eyes of our heart, give us spiritual insight and understanding that we would take hold of your promises and grab a hold of life-giving words that change us from the inside out and help us to change others in Jesus' name. Amen. This month we're talking about the Lord of the harvest. It's harvest time, we said. This is a year of harvest. We believe that it's going to be a harvest for, uh, for the righteous and for the unrighteous. That there's a day of reckoning and God is coming to give reward. God is coming so that your harvest comes due. The laws of seed time and harvest, we've been talking about this month, <clears throat> pardon me, work in every aspect of life. Every aspect of your life. The laws of sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest, this, this is not, we're not talking about money today. We're not talking about, we're, this is spiritual, the spiritual part of your life it works in, the mental part of your life, whatever you sow into your mind, you'll reap coming out of your life. Whatever you sow emotionally, you reap emotionally. Whatever you sow socially, you reap socially. The Bible says in order to, uh, a man who uh, has friends must first show himself friendly. Yeah. You, you want friends? Go be friends, go Befriend someone. Well, I'm more of an introvert. Not an excuse. Sorry. You can smile and see if somebody smiles back. Okay? So what we have to understand is that there are these, these aspects. So spiritual, mental, emotional, social, relational, vocational, and financial. But every other aspect, everything. So to the flesh, you have the flesh reap corruption. So to the spirit, your spiritual growth, and of the spirit you reap life everlasting. However, the primary harvest God is interested in in the word is the harvest of souls, transformed human lives. And the whole kingdom of God works in sowing and reaping. And in that, the, the, the Lord shares with us, he's talking about people being changed that they have to have the right soil of their heart prepared. We might all start out as thorny or stony ground or wayside, but if you, if you let God soften your heart, the Bible says in Hosea chapter 10, Judah shall plow. Judah shall plow. The word Judah means praise. Why do we, why do we sing songs first? It's not, we're not just coming to a concert. We're coming in to work the soil of our hearts. And the Bible says, break up your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground. Judah shall plow. It's time to, to break up the clods, the, the hardness. How do you get hardness of heart? Live. <laughs> Live and experience life and disappointment and betrayal and all the things we go through, right? So when you go through, when you live a little bit of life, there, there, life happens. I, I, you can't imagine how many people I talk to that come to this church they haven't been to church for a long, long time. And then they come in here and they, and, they, and they almost always have the same thing to say. I gave my heart to the Lord as a child or as a young person. And then I got out of school 
and life happened. And now I'm looking, I need God in my life and that, that hunger is back, that desire is back and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know what to do with him. But they're looking. My friends, that's, it, you, Pastor Lindsay and I talk about it all the time. There's a lot of people come in and, you know, we're not looking to embarrass you when, you, when, you, when you're a first-time guest. That's why we don't say, raise your hand. I grew up in a Methodist church as a little kid, and they, they would, uh, if you were visiting for the first time, they would take a red ribbon and stick it on your shirt. Like, the dorks on parade. You know, it's like, okay, I'm a first-time visitor. And it was just kind of this, it was this uncomfortable, you know, nobody wanted, uh, are you a first-time guest? Raise your hand. I don't want to raise my hand. You might put something on me. I don't want that. So we kind of make it voluntary. But you, we, you can't imagine, Pastor, Chris, Pastor Lindsay and I talk a lot about people that come in sometimes and when the music starts and the lights go up and they see, and they haven't been to our type of church, which by the way, for those of you that are newer to this, there are churches like us all over the world, <laughs> everywhere. The largest segment of church growth in the world is churches like us, filled with life, not just critiquing everybody else. And so we talk about people that come in, and sometimes people come in, they're so hard. They're coming, they're so hard. They're just, they, they've been beaten down, and, and, and they don't know what to expect, and so they think they might get beaten down some more instead of encouraged or really relation, you know, come into relationship with God. They think they're coming, they th- they're, they're worried they're coming in to religion when we're all about relationship. And so that's, so that, but, but it's interesting because they usually come in and, and, and the music starts and they usually put their hands in their pockets as fast as they can. Because they see people clapping and moving and lifting their hands. It's like, oh no, what is this? And so you just put, if you put them here, they're safe. Till Pastor Lindsay says, lift your hands and worship God. And then you got to kind of figure out like, you know, then, you, you know, but anyway, you see people come in and, 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 and a lot of times they're hard. A lot of times if, if you get a couple of people together that are newer, and I'm not trying to out anybody, maybe you're here for the first time. I don't see you. I don't see anybody brand new today that I'm looking at right now, but I can't see from the lights. So anyways, it's fine. <laughs> but people come in and, 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 and usually they'll play off of each other. Like you'll see their body language kind of turn toward somebody else and go, they're kind of do it like an eye dance. Like, you believe this? I don't know what to expect. But here's the deal. Why do we say three-week challenge? Because a lot of times those hard people, if they'll just come back, you'll see them go like this and you'll see like, pass on and say, lift your hands They'll look around, see if anyone's looking at them. Most people are like this, you know? Nobody's looking at you. But I, I, felt, I felt that way. I understand that. But understand that God is the Lord of the harvest. And I got to get into the message. I've already lost a few minutes. The Holy Spirit helps people that help people. The Holy Spirit helps people that help people. Now, we say around here, hurt people, hurt people, because they do. Hurt people, hurt people. Why did that person just cut you off? Why did that person give you the Ocala salute when they drove by? What is it? What, what did they do? It's, they're hurting. They're hurting. 
So hurt people, hurt people. You cannot expect hurt people to help people. Okay? So, so just lower your expectation of others. Heal people, heal people. Whole people make others whole. Free people, free people. All those things. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so what happens if you start caring about the next generation and the next new generation rising up, then you want to pay attention to things like what Pastor Jeff was talking about last week because this generation is filled with so many questions about God and faith and they've been armed with all these books and things. And like he said, he told, Pastor Jeff said, I can't emphasize this to you enough. He told me last week, I can't emphasize this to you enough. He said, Backslidden preachers on TikTok are destroying the next generation. I had no idea. I, 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 I've heard of TikTok a thousand times. I don't have it. I've never seen it. I, don't, I, I, know, what, I know basically what it is. I know old people are supposed to stay off of it. <clears throat> Otherwise, it's not cool. I mean, Facebook was cool for a while. Anybody remember MySpace? Where did that go? It just made space for Facebook. Then Facebook was cool, and then the younger people said, we don't want to be that, our parents are on that. So they found something else. And, they'll, and listen, I, pre, I predict to you right now that TikTok will become passe in the next 10 years, and, they'll, and, and that generation, the next new generation, will be rebelling against the 20-somethings of that time and saying, no, we got our own blue bloof or whatever, you know. We got our own thing. I just made it up, patent it, trademark it, blue bloof. I don't know, but there'll be something. I'm not even past the introduction yet. I got to hurry. <laughs> the great thing that Pastor Jeff said that I love and I want to say again, there are, there are some clear and wonderful answers to a lot of these hard questions if you just start looking, even to the most difficult curiosities of the next generation. Now, what I want to say today is this. You hold the seeds of breakthrough in your own hands. Remember, the mess, the mess we're in from sin began in a garden. And then the repair work of Jesus, he knelt in a garden and said, not my will, but your will be done. He always has to bring it full circle. It started in the garden, had to finish in the garden. Sin was empowered in the garden, had to be disempowered in the garden. Everything happens through botany. Everything happens through gardening. Everything happens through sowing and reaping. And you hold the seeds of breakthrough in your own hands. A dear friend was visiting with us this week. In fact, our lighting director from Fredericksburg, Virginia, and his wife, they were in town this week, and we were having dinner, and they were talking about he was talking about prophetic words he received when he was very young, the things he would do as a lighting director, God would use to change the world. And this guy, I mean, he has done, he, he's done uh, lighting at the, for different events at the White House. He's done lighting for CBS News for years. He's done lighting all over. Now he's just turned 70 years old. He's a little bit reflective. And he's talking about it. And he's a very tenderhearted guy. We, we, we love our buddy Dan McKenrick. And he tearfully looked at uh, our son Ricky, who he's mentored and poured into for years. And he, and he said he, he just realized 
that it was through the young tech guys he'd met like Ricky and mentored over the years that he finally understood that the Lord had changed the world through him and was continuing to do it. He had sown seeds. He said, I didn't realize it because I was just doing small things. But small seeds change the world. I believe that's actually the destiny of each one of us. And here's the thing. When I say God cares about the harvest of souls, I'm telling you that even when you need provision, what happened when Peter came back and said to Jesus, listen, we're supposed to pay the temple tax. Jesus said, well, go fishing. Peter's like, well, uh, what, what does that mean? I just told you we, got it. We, we, we need money. Jesus said, well, go fishing. Peter catches a fish with gold in his mouth. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men if you follow me. My friend, if you'll go fishing for people, all the provision you need will be right there. Zig Ziglar used to say, help enough other people get what they're believing for in life and you'll get everything you're believing for. Help enough other, enough other people fulfill their destiny, you'll fulfill your destiny in the process. But you gotta trust God and keep stepping. Little steps, little things, little things. Listen, the smallest actions, that's what it says in our text today, the smallest actions of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice. The smallest things you do. Every simple act of faith motivated by God's love is a kingdom seed. Everything you do that's inspired by the Holy Spirit in the love of God to help somebody else becomes a kingdom seed. And it will reproduce for you, but it will also reproduce in that person or the people you're helping. It contains the power to germinate. When I say it's a kingdom seed, it contains the power to germinate and reproduce life. Every cup of cold water you give, Jesus said, you'll never lose your reward. Well, how does that happen? We don't even remember we gave somebody a cup of water, but God does. Your labor is never in vain. You help somebody else, God will make sure you're helped. Germination is actually quite miraculous. I'm not gonna get into the science here, but germination is a miracle. It's a miraculous process. A seed gets planted. It goes into dormancy. For all intents and purposes, it's dead. It dies. Different periods of time for different species of plants. Moisture, as soon as it contacts moisture at some point, something happens and moisture expands the, the cells that appear to be dead. It, appear, it, it, it starts expanding these cells and something starts rejuvenating and happening. And, they, and the moisture, when it comes in, the seed begins to breathe and it metabolizes and comes to life. Life grows. You don't see it because it's a seed. It's underground or it's invisible or it's something you did. You don't know. Jesus even compares seed with the cross, his death, and his resurrection John 12, 23 from the Passion says this. He replied to them, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies because then it sprouts. 
and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because one grain died. Jesus is talking about seed, but he's talking about himself. One would die to reproduce the rest of us. If you've ever lost anything or given up anything for God by faith, I got good news for you. It's not really lost. It may appear to be dead. You may have lost something or someone close to you, but I'm telling you, spiritually, it will reproduce. It's, it's not really lost. It's, it appears to be lost, but it will reproduce because God, if, when God is involved, but God, but God moments, God gets involved. One of the hardest times in our lives in December of 1991, my wife had a miscarriage. It was an unexpected, we, we, God didn't show us we were gonna have another baby and all of a sudden she's pregnant and we were, we were uh, in the ripe old, old age of uh, 30. <clears throat> and, it thought, and we thought um, we had our kids young, you know, and well, that's a surprise. And then we got excited about this child coming and then she started having some problems and she miscarried the baby and it just broke our hearts. And we didn't know how we were gonna make it through. Back in those days, there was so much condemnation about what you did or didn't do or <clears throat> ate or didn't eat or whatever. And, and, and we started to take this stuff on what did we do wrong? What happened? What, what's, what's going on? And, and we had this prophetic friend of ours who came in and she started to just speak the word over us and just pray over us. And, and she, she said, I really feel like God is saying, you're gonna have spiritual sons and daughters around the world. And it, it didn't fix our hearts, but it redirected our hearts where we realized that what was sown in tears, we would still reap with joy. Today, as many of you know, we have spiritual relationships and friendships and spiritual sons and daughters literally around the world. And I have no other explanation other than God did it. We're still gonna see our child one day too but you trust God and you trust his kingdom system. He's a great, great accountant, like I said earlier. He, he un, God keeps the accounts of everything. He doesn't lose anything. You lose some relationships along the highway of life, but you reap many more. Jesus said, whoever will lose his life for Jesus' sake will gain real life. Whoever refuses to give it up will lose it anyway. Sowing and reaping. Remember Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, 70 disciples out two by two with this instruction. Whatever house you enter, speak peace or shalom, the blessing of God to this house. And the word house there in the Greek is the word oikos. There's a, a yogurt called oikos. I think it's a Greek word. <clears throat> but it's, about, it's not about houses. It's not about a building. He said when you go into the first house you see, when you enter that house, the word house there is household extended family, anybody you gather together that you have influence over their value system. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on the whole household. But it was a son of peace. A son of peace is simply, if there's one person there that's open, if there's one person there that's, that, that is ready to receive or curious or has a question, there's gonna be a chain reaction of household salvations. 
Remember the Philippian jailer said to Paul, what must I do to be saved here? Because they're going to kill me if you prisoners escape. Acts chapter 16, if you escape, they're going to kill me. What must I do to be saved, to be rescued from this? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your oikos, your whole household, everyone you have influence over. When I was a youth pastor years ago, I used to speak all over um, Orange and Seminole County in the public schools as a motivational speaker. I would do this little thing on words. And it was all scripture, but I didn't preach and I didn't share scripture. I shared scriptural principles. I'm talking about the power of words. Your words have the power to break or build. Your words have the power to give life or, or, or give death. Your words have power. And so I would speak all over. And I, and I remember, I mean, I started out with classes of, you know, 15, 20 kids. And then by the end of my time doing that, I was speaking to whole school assemblies of 800 to 1,000 kids. It was life-changing for me. But here's the point. No matter how the crowd was, big or small, God would always show me who the controller was, who the influencer was in the room. And I would play to that influencer. I would, I would you know, there's, especially think about it in school. There's always one or two people in class, and if they, if they kind of give you the, then you're going, too, right? But if you can get them, now the other cool kids start to pay attention. Now everybody starts to wake up a little bit. So I always had to go after that one, and it wasn't hard to see, because the, the one that was harder with the group of 800, but you could always kind of play off of <clears throat> somebody's looking to see what that person's reaction is. When I could see several heads turn, so I would try to say something provocative just to get a little bit of a reaction because then I could see the heads turn. I go, oh, oh, it's you. <laughs> and then I would kind of focus and go after that one. Knowing if I could get the one, it's going to be easy to get everybody else. Now, that one was hard. That one was always the, you know, the, the tough nut to crack. The word of God already pointed us to this principle in the 21st century. We call it today influencers. Not just discovered since the internet. Oikos is where values and opinions are formed. We were praying last week during the eight days of prayer for everybody to, you know, find people to win and love and win to the Lord. And, and this thing came up in my spirit. I did this years ago, and some of you that have been here for a long time know this is not something new. But let me just ask you a question. I'm going to conduct a little opinion poll. It's nothing scientific, but please raise your hand. Don't just, don't just give me a fin or, a, you know, oh, 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 you know, raise your hand, Okay. How many of you were born again or rededicated your heart to the Lord as a direct result of a street outreach? Somebody went out to the streets where you were hanging out with people and they witnessed to you and you got saved. Anybody in the room? Anybody in street outreach? Usually in a crowd this size, there's usually one or two people. And that's why street outreach is important. That's good. 
Okay, let me ask you another question. How many, uh, anybody here that was born again or rededicated to the Lord as a direct result of a community evangelistic crusade? You know, Benny Hinn came to town or, or, um, or an evangelist came down, traveling evangelist came to town and they had a crusade and you got saved. One, two, <clears throat> three, four, five. That's fantastic, and that's, and that's why we do those things. That's why we bring in guest speakers or do certain things. In this crowd, that's great. That's awesome. <clears throat> um, how, many, how many were born again or rededicated your life to the Lord as a result of somebody left a tract somewhere? And, uh, you know, those, those uh, bogus $50 bills, whatever, and on the back, that, those things just make me mad. That's what they do to me. I, I mean... <laughs> Expect a fifty dollar bill and get somebody preaching at me I'm like ah, oh. but 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 tracks some tracks have been very effective over the years for spiritual laws campus crusade that was a big one back in the seventies and eighties worked a lot so let me ask you how many were born born again as a direct result of a track that somebody left somewhere and and you got saved through that anybody anybody okay or nobody some usually in, a, in this size crowd there's usually one or two that's why tracks can be important but it's usually for people that just want to hide and say they witnessed. Anyway. All right, let me ask you this. Here's the biggie. How many of you were born again or rededicated your life as a direct result of a friend, relative, neighbor, or coworker who prayed for you or led you to Christ or invited you to a church where God broke through in your life? Let me see your hands because that's me right there. That's what happened with me. Now look around the room. Now, you tell me what the most effective evangelism is. You tell me the easiest way to win people. Okay, you can put your hands down. Thank you very much. My friends, it's overwhelming. You know, in a recent um, national survey, there was a huge majority of people, like like 90% of born-again believers that were born again through just what we just said, friend, relative, neighbor, coworker, who just prayed for them for a while and then planted seeds with them and invited them to church or that kind of thing, or led them to the Lord of their house. 90-some percent. <clears throat> the problem is when we think of evangelism, a lot of times as a church, we think of programs. Street outreach. Let's make some tracks. Let's have an evangelistic crusade. And those are all great things. But I don't want to go fishing in an aquarium. I want to go fishing in an ocean. Right? I want to go where the fish are biting. You have the power. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. You have the testimony. In fact, people will listen to you that won't listen to me simply because I'm a preacher. The moment they know I'm a pastor, they automatically switch off. But if they don't know that you're a secret minister, like a secret agent, Bond, James Bond, coming to loose you from Bond. Understanding that in your life, you carry the power. If you would just see your life as an opportunity with seeds, that everything you do begins to plant seeds. Someone needs to hear your testimony. Someone needs to hear your story. They don't need need to know everything that I preached today, this week. Don't don't 
try to run something down their throat, but they need to know I was this and God is working in me. Talked to a guy the other day, he was a strong Christian businessman locally. And he used to own the biggest bars in the city of Ocala and strip clubs. Today, strongly on fire for God. And he's renounced all that other stuff. He asked me this week how to write a book. I'm telling him, I'm trying to point him to how to get a book done. Relationship evangelism often leads to chain reaction salvations. It's through relationships that people are changed. Influencers influence other influencers. A recent survey, another one of unsaved people revealed that a majority, a large majority said they would visit a church. This is unchurched people and backslidden people, all kinds of people. A recent survey of unsaved people revealed that a majority said they would be open to visit a church if someone they knew invited them. My friends, we're not getting a new building for us. I love our building. We need more space for more kids. We need more space for fellowship, relationships, small groups, Bible studies, we need, we need space. We need, we need something that, that you know, uh, uh, Pastor Jeff, by the way, last week, he wrote me, he said his friends that came to visit and hear him preach here last Sunday said that the music team and the presentation was, had the excellence of Disney. Now, whatever you feel about Disney right now, <clears throat> you know, that, that's another thing. But they got excellence. And this person said, that, and that was without Pastor Lindsay even here. Yeah. I think you ought to give it up for our worship team, our band, our team, and Pastor Lindsay who raised them up and is raising more people up. <clears throat> That's unbelievable. That's incredible. Invite them. Invite them. How do I do that? Ask them if they want to come to church. If they will come to church. Tell them you'll buy them a cup of coffee or you'll buy them breakfast if they come to church. Tell them you'll take them to Ipanema after church. That's a great one. That'll get them. <clears throat> I'll go to a different church if you do that with me. No. <laughs> Finally this. This month we're talking about Lord of the Harvest. And I don't want to just talk about harvest. I want to talk about Lord. Lordship. We say all the time, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. But what does it mean? It's kind of pondering this thought. My brother-in-law, my wife's sister's husband is my brother-in-law. Okay, they live in Orlando. My brother-in-law couldn't figure out what to get his wife for Christmas a few weeks ago. And he wanted to make some sort of grand romantic gesture to show his love for her. So he saw something online that he thought was pretty cool. I didn't know this, but he said, apparently, if you own land in Scotland, you have a right to apply for a royal title of lordship and ladyship. So this company was selling plots 
of Scottish land, one foot wide by 10 feet long. And then they could give you this title. And so, in fact, I I think we've got the, uh, the, the certificate. If you want to show the certificate. So this is our certificate for Lord James Douglas Perkins and Lady Deborah Ann Perkins. They're royal highnesses. <clears throat> but the problem here, so this was, a, that's a pretty cool thing, huh? like naming a star after somebody, whatever. This is a cool thing, right? But he overplayed it. <laughs> Another company saw that he had done that, like the cookies that place in all of your social media stuff. So this other company sent him for X amount of dollars, send us a photograph of you and your spouse and we will do a portrait of your royal, like a royal portrait of you as Lord and Lady. So it's fantastic. Till my sister-in-law opened this beautiful painting and it lo- the face on, of the male looks just like my brother-in-law James. And the face of the female looks nothing like my sister-in-law. <laughs> Show that picture. <laughs> she's like, she's, she said, she opened the thing up and she said, who is this? Who are you with? So beware, <clears throat> if you look close, the hair may be close, but the face looks nothing like my sister-in-law Debbie. Let me give it up for Lord and Lady Perkins, please. They said I could share that today. I love you guys. The point is that's not true lordship. With Jesus, it's not a title. But it did indicate something that really went off in me. We talk about Jesus being Savior and Lord, and some try to separate the two. They say, well, he's he's the Savior of my life, but, but, you know, he's not my Lord yet. What? If he's Savior, he's Lord. And Lordship, just like in Scotland, is about one thing, ownership. I did a whole little study just briefly on Lordship. It's all about ownership. Not a piece of land, but ownership of your life. The Lordship of Christ means yielding to Jesus and giving him full control of your life that you're giving him full authority. You're acknowledging his ownership in reverence, honor, and obedience. And so I wanna finish with this. If you haven't completely surrendered to the Lord of life yet, what's it gonna take? Another tragedy? Another pandemic? Another problem arising in your life? Why can't you, in the moment you're living in right now, Give the keys over to Jesus. The legacy building is going to be wonderful. But don't expect the harvest to show up by itself. Don't expect people to mystically show up because we have a new building in a few weeks. Be a bringer. Be a bringer. Show hospitality. Jesus said, compel people to come in to my house. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for 
all that you're doing in our midst. For you are Lord of all. You're the Lord of the harvest. You said, pray the Lord of the harvest that you would send laborers. Lord, I pray that you'd send laborers. I pray that you'd make us all laborers in one another's field. That the people who in my world that may not listen to me because they are too close or some way. You said a prophet is not without honor except in his own family, in his own hometown. Well, some people won't listen to me. Would you speak to other people in our community to help reach my prayer list? Would you speak to my heart to help everybody else with their prayer list? Because we know the ultimate harvest is sons and daughters of the kingdom. The people who are today dead in their sin, separated from God, lost, broken, ashamed, guilty, don't know what's going on, don't know why they're trapped, don't know why they keep doing the same things over and over again they don't even want to do, wondering why addiction keeps grabbing a hold of them. Father, would you break down that wall and give us a botanical breakthrough, give us a a breakthrough in sowing and reaping. Show every person today and this week that they have the power, that they have your presence, that they have your word, that they have your love, everything they need to plant seeds of life in other people. Draw us nearer, Jesus. Your word says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Lord, let all of us take a step forward in faith today. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, maybe you're at home connecting with us online. We're glad you're watching. Who won you to the Lord? Or maybe who brought you here today hoping that this would be the moment? What friend, what relative, what neighbor invited you to now church at some point and said, just come, see what God does. We say around here all the time, see what God does. And you came in skeptical, maybe hurting, maybe alone, maybe just defiant, but you came And little by little, those seeds of life have been breaking down that wall and that hardness. May today be the day where you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, not just your friend, your Lord and master. The ownership, the pink slip of your life goes into his hands. May this be the day. And if you're here today, you don't have to wait till after church. Right now, just say this. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Change me. Forgive me. Be the master. I give you ownership today. Help me to walk that out day by day. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, 
your life will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Just open your eyes. Look around for a minute. How many of you, the first time you came to our church, um, somebody invited you and you were somewhat skeptical? Be honest about it. Come on, the first time you came, so you were somewhat skeptical. Look at that, a lot of hands. And these are people that are solid. Many of them solid. They're here. They're part of the fabric of our house now. But they came in skeptical. That's okay to come in with questions. I've been walking with the Lord 42 years. I still got questions. And he didn't give me all the answers yet. But part of what keeps me young and alive in my 60s is to just keep being curious, keep asking. He keeps showing, keeps revealing, keeps you moving forward. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.